Welcome to the Youngin Cotisel podcast. My name is Greg Lewis. Today I am talking to Jose Domingo Cruz from Fukuoka, Japan. We will be talking about Jose's verbal classrooms approach to fluency practice. Welcome, Jose, to the uh, Yoko podcast. Thank you very much for, uh, for you contacted me, which is just so thrilling because no one has ever done that before. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I felt uh, I felt I might have been overstepping my bounds actually asking, "Hey, do you want me on your podcast?" But I, Not I thought at that all. Uh, I, I I thought you would know me well enough. I remember you coming to my. Um, my cotisal presentation, and uh, and you were there in in the corner, and then Raya Metitook told me that um, you were using the method I was talking about, verbal classrooms, and uh, and right. then I saw another post where it says that you were the host of this podcast, and I thought, well, that's cool. Well, you got all that right, and I, although I did not realize I was sitting up in the corner when I was in your uh, uh, when I was watching your your presentation. Uh, which was, I think, was uh, uh, Busan, right? Um, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of the funny thing when you're online; you're not actually there. But yeah, that's where I, I hooked up. So that's right. But you did, you mentioned verbal classrooms, and so you've uh, uh, you've recently published this uh, a paper called "Verbal Classrooms: Fluency Activities Through Structure Control Practice." Mm -hmm. So. I'm familiar with it, yes, but I don't know how familiar other people are. So could you just you know, walk listeners who maybe have never heard of this through, uh, through some, at least some of the highlights of your approach to, to fluency practice and, and what sets it apart from the traditional, I say traditional, but the no, what would be normal for many teachers uh, in their, their classroom conversation activities? What sets it apart? Uh, uh, when I first came to Japan as a conversation teacher, I very humbly took it upon myself to remember that I am not an English teacher. I was not trained as an English teacher. I was trained as a political scientist. And like a lot of people who come to Asia you know, or came to Asia in the early 90s and even before that, I was only here making money because I spoke as a Canadian, you know, mm. not because I was a trained linguist or anything like that. Uh, but I thought, okay, conversation. What is conversation? What, what should I be good at to teach conversation? Conversation requires the ability to to move in and out of the um, the ideas that are being presented and to present your ideas fluently. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, fluency, oh, that's an interesting idea. What is fluency? And I tried my best. I still wasn't, um, and I, I, I wasn't a trained uh, in, in linguistics or anything like that, and I didn't have access to um, any CD databases anymore. The internet was still just starting to really come into its own in the mid-90s, and um, I couldn't really do any research, uh, and I was in Japan too, I couldn't really do any research on the established uh, literature about definitions of fluency. And um, it occurred to me that um, fluency, at least when I was a boy, learning how to speak English, because English isn't my mother language, um, learning how to speak English, and then trying to learn how to speak French, and not being able to achieve sort of critical mass fluency in it, and then being able to eventually achieve critical mass fluency in, in Japanese. What were the common points? Where, where did I succeed in learning English and Japanese? And I failed in um, speaking uh, French. Well, number one, throughout all of it, okay, 
uh, I realized what, what one of the things that um, I always had in the back of my mind as a target was how quickly I could speak, how right. how quickly I could respond to questions, and how quickly I could create new ideas and then train them together so that the sentence that I was speaking at the time in that language was not the sentence I was thinking about, which is what naturally we do in in our you know in our fluent languages. We have an entire story to tell. We have an entire storyboard in our heads, and we're telling this part of the joke, and we're already trying to set up the punchline by using our intonation and stuff like that. And um, that, to me, was fluency. And and it it seemed to come down to the core of how quickly, or sorry, how you train yourself to speak quickly. That sort of primed me for when I met uh, a couple of um, good gentlemen. One of them is... Um, Christopher Dugdale, he was the originator of a method called using what you know, which was being used at an English conversation school. And his one of his apprentices was my best friend at the time, Jim Boland. And uh, they were telling me, oh, you, we've got this new method and Chris created it. And it's all about uh, just getting people to speak more. And I heard about it. I listened to them and, and, uh, and they told me about how it was set up. And I thought, oh, this is great because I just got a bunch of part-time classes at university and, uh, and I need some kind of curriculum. I was one of these emergency hires where like there was nobody. It was like um, uh, school starts in April in Japan, like the first week of April. And I think it was like the end of February or maybe even the beginning of March when uh, my friend said, hey, hey, Jose, uh, this one university, uh, a couple of people suddenly had to leave to go back home. And they've got like eight or nine classes that they need a teacher for. And, you know, a month before classes. Teachers are already uh, set up in their schedules. So I had no curriculum for this. And I thought, why don't we just take that intensive curriculum, the UWYK, using what you know was designed as an intensive curriculum, and see if I can adapt it to a university classroom. And it just really took off. I got my students to speak more to each other. Uh, the uh, the targets that I wanted to bring to them, which is to get them to, to speak with more fluency, to get them to enjoy the classroom, bring out um, language study to get it out of the textbooks and to, to bring it into actual production in a very fun and productive and natural manner that emphasizes skill creation as opposed to information being transferred, information transfer from the teacher to the student. Well, now I'm not sure that, you know, as I have uh, adopted it and started to uh, sort of make it my own, uh, how much I'm following what you have done. So I just wanted to ask, when you talk about fluency, am I correct in, in saying that your definition of fluency would include uh, you know, speaking faster, smoother and louder? Yes. Not so much the loudness. I mean, some kids, of course, have disabilities. Uh, hmm. But the the attitude of like putting speed as the first target to achieve before you worry about things like grammatical accuracy uh, or the complexity of your speech. And I get that or I got that idea and it naturally flowed into what was being presented uh, by Chris and Jim from the idea that, okay, I'm going back to my introspection about fluency, what makes a four-year-old child fluent and, and an 18-year-old student of language that has, who is a false beginner, it's been at it for five or six years, 
Um, they know all kinds of words, but they're not fluent. And um, because there were certain things that were not common between them, it was easy to pluck out. Like, um, okay, well, that 18-year-old student has a, a, a 3,000-word vocabulary. Does a four-year-old four -year child have a 3,000-word vocabulary? Probably not. Probably less than 3,000 words. Um, that uh, the, the teenager has been studying, can read and write. Can the four-year-old child read and write? Maybe, but probably no more than about 20 letters out of 26, and they only do it for fun. They can, they can barely hold a pen properly. But what the child can do better than the um, uh, student, and again, grammar too, does the teenager know more grammar in the target language than the child? Probably. They probably know lots more. They probably know the grammatical terms like modals and, and past participles and all things like that, and the kid doesn't. But what they have is an instinct to speak and they've had hours and hours, maybe hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice speaking at high speed, mm -hmm. which is probably what the teenager has not done. They've studied the language, but they haven't practiced it a lot. So that um, made me think, well, what are my definitions of fluency then? Well, number one, speak quickly and try to target. And the, the instructor should be encouraging the students or the student to target something around 100 to 120 words per minute speaking. 120 words per minute. You're speaking at two words per second. Actually, if you think about it, if you imagine that in your mind, that's not really somebody who speaks very quickly. But it is um, sort of considered uh, the bottom uh, rate of fluency in any language. French is spoken a little bit faster. German apparently is spoken a little faster. Japanese is spoken a little bit more slowly. Uh, but generally, that's a thing. And speed. Uh, speed in your speaking, so the, the pace between words, the pace between sentences. Speed in your responses, so that then, you know, it doesn't take you a long time to answer simple questions like, do you want to go to the convenience store with me? It takes mm -hmm. like 30 seconds to come up with a no. Uh, and speed in your idea creation. So you're already saying an idea and you've got the next idea in your head and you're able to come out with it even in broken English, but it's, you're able to come up with that. And then two, the second part of the conversation is um, smoothness. Yeah. Can you speak smoothly? Have you got control of your pace so that if you want to speak slowly, you can. But if you really want to speak in a really excited way because you're making jokes with your friends while you're watching a hockey game, uh, you can do that too. So those two things, speed and smoothness is the basic um, definition of fluency that I had mm -hmm. and used in, in the method. Uh, I have to say that my uh, at the very beginning, I said this is just about fluency. Uh, that's the whole point of this is just I want you to by the end of this class, I want you to speak faster, smoother and louder for me louder with my the level of my students, they lack a lot of confidence. And so I say the louder you speak is kind of a an indication of how confident you are feeling the speed that's that's going to come with how much practice they're doing the smoothness. Now I'm approaching how smooth they speak as how do do their words elide? Do they put words together into chunks? And I talk about chunking a lot. Mm. Can you, you know, do a phrase? Mm -hmm. Do they even know what do you want to go? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. I think we mm -hmm. we had a conversation about that earlier. So you're you're really focusing on the speed, where I'm sort of really focusing on the smooth. They're quite related, though, right? Oh, very much so. You you can't really go very far in one without. A degree of mastery in the other. You can't really right. achieve your optimal speed if you're still really uh, talking like 
this because this is actually about maybe only 80 words per minute. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if you had smoothness, but you talk like this, this is a relatively smooth pace, but um, it's just aggravating to have to listen to. <laughs> uh, right. the, um, the, the whole thing has to come together at the same time. And I think um, maybe you'll agree with this or not. Um, if you remember what you were doing before, you might have started implementing some of the things that I showed in my presentation. It was held back by traditional methods, uh, perhaps overemphasis on making sure you got the answer right. Right. And making sure that you know you 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 got that pronunciation of that word just as you said it in this sense, and that is not really what I target at all. Especially, mm -hmm. I'm, I think Korean students that you teach will have a sort of um, stereotypical pronunciation problems, and so will Japanese students. But I don't really care about that that much. Not that unless it. The, the bottom line is, can I understand you even with all of your um, weird sort of tics in the way that you speak this language? If your friends can understand you and I can understand you, that's fine. Just keep speaking. And all of that will come out in the wash if you keep speaking. But you don't want to keep speaking because you don't have any success in the language. You don't have any success in the language because you don't have any friends to talk to or you don't have any situations to talk to. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is that... I don't want to say you're aggravating to talk to like that speaker I was mimicking before, but um, you have to achieve a certain threshold of ability so that then you can enjoy the language and people can enjoy the language with you. Um, I, I realize uh, as you're speaking that uh, most people, if this is the first time they're, they're hearing about uh, the verbal classroom, that they don't actually know the process. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and that's going to, they're going to be, what, what, what do I do? How do I do this? Right. And if we could just sort of direct them towards your website, would that be the mm -hmm. best? Sure. Goldfish365, one word, goldfish365.com. And if you go to that, you'll see my website, which, in, which initially was designed to provide a place to hold all of these authentic material conversations, extemporaneous conversations, as Todd Buchans uh, loves to call them, uh, with me and my friends, and um, an opportunity to show students the way we talk in class as your teachers, the way that you hear CDs and DVDs targeting dialogues and textbooks, that is not at all the way that people really speak. You'll, you'll hear us speaking more quickly. You'll hear us speaking in very important, in broken English with all kinds of grammatical mistakes, even by native speakers. So I am serious when I'm telling you, it is not just okay to make mistakes. If you try to speak a language as if you're a textbook without any grammatical mistakes, you're going to sound so weird. <laughs> and you, you can't do it anyway. Nobody could speak that way unless it was scripted or unless it was, uh, was rehearsed. Or we, we make Which is where up. they... Which is where they, they, they defer to scripting or, or memorizing chunks yes, to, to absolutely, get by. Yes, absolutely, yeah, yes. Yeah, Just to yeah. survive. Yeah. That's right. That's, well, it's, and it, that's okay. And I'm not saying, you know, don't be grammatically accurate. You need a degree of accuracy. But don't make it the absolute priority. The absolute priority is to speak quickly. I wanted to um, just point out the one thing about speaking faster and smoother. Mm -hmm. And then you said that in your, the, what you provide to your students is speak louder, which is actually very important um, and is a good target if you're only using it in a limited degree to your, uh, in your classrooms. But the way that I put it to my students is faster, smoother, more. 
Oh, speak mm. faster, speak more smoothly, and then try to speak in two or three sentence bursts. With a lot of my students, it's two or three word bursts. Then we learn to speak in full sentences. Then we learn to speak in two or three sentences. Then we try to learn how to organize a paragraph in your head as you're speaking. Um, the louder thing, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I also think, too, um, as you or as an instructor will probably observe if they spend enough time with kids doing verbal classrooms in, in, in their, in their um, instruction, is that a lot of that loudness doesn't necessarily come just from the degree of confidence. It's a neurological phenomenon, too. If your brain is working on trying to put together a relative pronoun, a past tense relative pronoun, while it's trying to, uh, to think about the, uh, the, present, uh, the present perfect, your brain is overwhelmed. And one of the places your brain will first begin to sacrifice is your voice control and your eye contact. Your eyes will go up to the corner or down to your knees and your voice will go down so your brain can put more resources into putting that grammar together. So it's not just right. the confidence thing. It's that um, they're, they're working really hard. But that's mm -hmm. something that you train. Um, just because I, I want to tell my students, oh, you don't have enough confidence. They're going, but I think I do. And okay, okay. well, actually, here's what it is. You're, you need more practice doing this so that when mm -hmm. you get used to it, like um, hitting a curveball in baseball. You, you learn that swing, that, that, that lift of the elbow just right enough. It'll become a, a second nature. And uh, keeping your voice loud becomes second nature and something you can practice in verbal classrooms. Mm -hmm. uh, what I wanted to say, too, is that uh, it, to, if people are wondering about how to apply this, that they go to, the, uh, to Goldfish 365, and I'll put a link in the, mm -hmm. in the notes, that they go to the verbal classrooms, the, the drop-down menu, go to verbal classrooms, and you've got a series of videos there showing yourself mm -hmm. doing, doing presentations as well as in the classroom with students so they can see how this works. And I found that really, really helpful just so I very quickly got a grasp of, aha, that's what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and those videos that are on the goldfish365.com site are on YouTube. And if you go to YouTube and search for goldfish365, one word, it'll drop you right or search on the internet. Do, 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 do. You have been listening to part one of my interview with Jose Domingo Cruz. You can find related links in the show notes. This is the Young In Cotisal podcast. My name is Greg Lewis. Join us, won't you? You know, you know, you know, you know, you know.